Take your Bible to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 through 10. We're not going to get there immediately, but we will round the corner on that and come to Jeremiah chapter 1. This is a Bible preaching, Bible teaching church. Usually at the beginning of a message, we establish something, and then we begin to put the application to it towards the end. God is a scientist. I hear people talk a lot about science lately. How about the science? Well, science can be twisted, can it? Science can be statistics, especially. Can be, oh my, my, statistics can be twisted uh, really hard to get true statistical data. It hasn't been, either things have been omitted or things have been put in it that shouldn't have been, and it's not giving you a true picture. You can almost, with statistics, say what you want to say. It's almost to that place. But God himself is the, is the scientist of all science. He invented science. He came up with it. His mind formed it. God is a chemist. He's the best chemist you ever there ever was, ever will be. He knew how many elements there were long before. When I was a kid, there were only so many elements. They've, they, they've discovered what are called basic elements. They've discovered quite a few more basic elements you, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put you on a spot. How many elements were there when you were in school? 88? 98? How many elements are there now? I'm going to put this biology student in. How many elements are there now when you were in school? 108? 108? Does anybody have any more? 109, 109, 110. We got 110 elements. Elements are not easily discovered now. Elements are like the basic chemistry. All right? So there are 98, 108, 10 more elements in 40 years. We're still coming up with stuff. We're still learning stuff. And God already had that all down. He's the one that brought it to us. Uh, he's the greatest architect that ever, ever designed anything. I mean, look around at the bug kingdom. Start looking under a microscope at the bug kingdom, and you think that the design on these bugs is a genius. It's a genius. If he had done nothing but invent a mosquito, he invented a very, very resilient creature. Or right, let me go to the fire ant. I have been investing thousands of dollars at my house. I have five acres to eliminate fire ants, and they're winning. They're winning. I'm telling you, they're winning. If you drop, if you pass out or drop dead at, at my house, in three days they'll have you covered with dirt. If the vultures don't get there and skin all the meat off of you within the first day. I mean, that's, that, this, is, this is the way it is. Uh, fire ants, they're winning. Uh, God is a, he's into, he's into patterns. He's into schematics. Uh, we try to get a schematic of the wiring of this building. We have a schematic of the wiring. Of, thank God we have a schematic of the wiring of this building. One of the, one of the requirements to the electrician when he did this building was you've got to give us a schematic that tells us where this wire in this thing goes and where this tube goes in this concrete, because there's tubes all into this concrete. 
and there's wire over above us in the ceiling going here and there, and this wire here goes back to there, and all this wire, where does it go? It can be unbelievably hard to figure out if you don't have a good schematic. Got us into that. Your DNA is the most complicated schematic. Maybe he, he maybe has done more complicated. I don't know. But I know the DNA pattern is a schematic of who you are. Your, D, your DNA was formed in God's mind. Your schematic was made. God's the creator of the universe. And if we learn something from this. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says, For the invisible things of him are there invisible things. Now, this was written in 60 A.D., when supposedly scientific knowledge was not nearly as advanced. Uh, there are invisible things, right? Like DNA is invisible. Uh, cells without a, without a real good microscope, invisible. Uh, a lot of things are invisible to the naked eye and never were able to be looked at, but yet the Bible already assumes they're there. He says, for the invisible things of him from creation of the world are clearly seen. The creation of the world is a biblical fact that is never questioned. It's never hinted at as being allegorical. Genesis 1.1 is not allegorical. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It's not allegorical. It is factual. It is science. It is what happened. Now, when you people that go, especially you young people who go to college in a secular college, they pour on you from day one as you enter into the sciences, whether it be biology or chemistry, and they pour on you this theory. And it is called a theory, by the way. Why do they call it a theory? Because it has very sketchy, contradictive, uh, so-called factual proof. In fact, really, evolution is a religion. It's a belief system. And they don't want God, and we know that from Romans 1. I'm not going into that. i got to be careful because I'm going to run off here to Romans 1. I don't want to do that. But you can read Romans 1. It's clear enough. But I want to tell you this, that um, the, th the invisible things are understood, it says in this verse, by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead, so that we are without excuse, or they are without excuse, meaning anybody that stands before God, if they say they didn't believe in him because they didn't, he didn't have enough evidence, Imagine standing before God, Jesus Christ, by the way, He's judge of all the earth, judge living and the dead. You're not going to stand before God the Father. You're going to stand before God the Son. Jesus Christ is who you're going to see when you go to heaven. And so imagine standing before Him and saying, I didn't know about you. I, I had no idea that you existed. He'll say, well, and he could begin the list. Did you ever think about me when you saw a sunset? Brother Roach, where are you at, man? It just squeals of God when you see some sunsets. And a variety of them. And did you ever think of me when you saw a lobster? And how they were made? And how they were eight legs? And, or a spider? And how they can do a web? How in the world does a spider with a brain too small for my naked eye do this intricate web in one night, in one evening, and then it blow down in the morning, and he doesn't quit his job. You'd quit. 
You say, I ain't doing that, man. I got blown down out of all that work I did. He don't get discouraged. He keeps doing it day after day, and I run into it day after day after day. I get tired of running that. Who would have imagined silk was strong? When you watch the spider, it comes out of the, the backside of him. And it just keeps coming. I'm like, where's that coming from? I mean, if I ate a lot of food, I wouldn't have that much stuff. What in the world that's going on, brother? Where's all that coming from? There's things we don't know about. How about the lightning bug? Before there was these glow sticks, God was showing you there were glow sticks long, thousands of years that since creation, probably the, the lightning bug's been around, especially up north. We got them here, but uh, only a certain time of year. But up north, man, I used to go out there and catch them lightning bugs, bring a bunch of them together, smear all that stuff on my hand, and it would glow. You smear it. How many did that? Come on, confess your sin. But uh, you smear that on your smear that on your hand, and it would glow. You know, I mean, like I was always enamored by that and amazed. This has light emitting capabilities from somewhere that I had no electricity, <clears throat> no fire. It wasn't hot, but it emitted light. We didn't know about chemical reactions and emitting of light. Blood thinner comes from leeches. We, we learned about blood thinner from leeches and from mosquitoes actually shoot a little blood thinner in you before they... That's why they give you encephalitis and all these other diseases. They got that in them and they shoot that in you. And really mosquitoes kill more. I think I read this. I can't remember exactly, but mosquitoes kill about as many people as any other war or anything. Mosquitoes kill... Around the world, mosquitoes kill tons and tons. COVID is nothing compared to mosquitoes. And yet you go, oh, yeah, mosquito. That's your death right there. My neighbor down the road had her sixth child, just birthed her sixth child, got bit by a mosquito, and got this, this thing, infection of the brain, and is now a vegetable. One mosquito bite. Don't worry about COVID. There's a whole lot of other ways to go. And God did all that. Even in his fallen state, he ordained it so. He's a great God. He's a biologist. He's a scientist. He's a physiologist. He's a, he, he is an expert in anatomy and chemistry and geology and mathematics. When I got started, he, he's a God of patterns. That's what I'm trying to get at. I started bass fishing years ago at Okeechobee and I had to learn this whole idea of patterns. In other words, what I had to get into the mind of a bass. I had to do the Vulcan mind mill on a bass. There is no Vulcan mind mill. But I had to learn how a bass thought. When a profession, professional bass fisherman goes to any lake, a new lake they're not familiar with, they try to figure out that pattern of the bass in the lake. Are they holding to a cover? Are they holding the points? Are they holding in shallows or deep edges? Uh, for to be a successful bass fisherman, you must be able to figure out the pattern. And we're able to do this because God that made all the stuff gave those bass a program. 
and they fulfill their program in a consistent, predictable way. And when you learn that program, and fishing's basically that's what it is, you learn the program, you learn, and you can catch them, you can find them. I believe God is knowable. In Deuteronomy 8, 6, Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. I believe you can know the ways of God. 2 Samuel 22, 22 says, For I have kept the ways of the Lord. Psalm 25, 5, 4, 25, 4 says, Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. Psalm 51, 13 says, Then I will teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. The ways of God, the patterns of God, the way he does stuff. Psalm 103, verse 7 says, He made his known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. They didn't get to know his ways. You get to know the ways of God. That's a high privilege. Acts chapter 2, verse 28, Thou hast made known unto me the ways of life. Consequently, it's important for a Christian to learn the ways of God and to study how he operates. And with that said, let's read our text in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 through 10. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, I formed thee in the belly. Before I formed thee in the belly, the Bible's right, but my reading's not very good. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now, I just got to pause there, even though this is not part of the sermon. Anybody that tells you that a baby is a piece of flesh with no soul has to argue with God about that. Then then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. That was his reaction. The Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. Thou shalt go into all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces. That's the enemy to doing God's will, fear. For I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Do you believe that? Say an amen towards heaven. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have said this day, I've set, I, see, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms. A preacher? A nobody, a preacher. To pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. I want to show you God's process, God's pattern of evangelism and how it works out of Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 through 10. The first thing I see is that God knows us. You are not out there by yourself where nobody cares. If you don't think anybody cares, it's just because you do not understand God and have not understood Him and not understood His ways enough to know that He not only created you, He thought about you and formed you, gave you your DNA pattern. Why you were a conception, at conception. Why you were swimming around in the water. 
He said, I knew you. That's the verse. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. He cared about you. Without question, I believe God knows us. He elects us. Now, don't worry about this. I'm going to explain election to you this morning. There is such a thing in the Bible as election. Matthew 24, 31 said, He shall send his angels with a great sound of the trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds. Colossians 3.12 says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. 1 Thessalonians 1.4 says, Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. 2 Peter 1.10 says, Wherefore, rather, the brethren give diligence to make your calling an election sure. And if you do these things, you shall never fall. I think the basis of disagreement on the doctrine or teaching of election is not the fact that we're elected, it's the fact of how we're elected. And not if we're elected, but how. I believe the pivotal point in understanding election, there's two of them specifically in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, where it says we're elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. In, in Romans 8, 29, it says, For whom he did foreknow, them he predestinated. So foreknowledge comes before predestination. So in summary, basically, it was elections like this. He knows us. He's looked down through the ages before the world was ever formed, mentioned twice in the Bible. Before the world was ever formed, he looked down through the ages of all the people who was ever going to be born. Do you believe Jesus is the, do you believe Jesus is the first and the last? I am the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. That's Bible, solid, no wiggle room. So God knows the beginning and the ending of everything. Like a, he looks at history like a still picture, not a moving movie. It's a still picture. He can look at what happened. So God looked down through the ages of all those he created in his foreknowledge. And he could see those when presented the truth the decisions that they made ultimately, and based upon his foreknowledge, he elected or sealed them under the day of redemption. And I believe what indicates in some degree, Jeremiah 1, 5, where it says, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, without being biased against anyone. God does not elect some people to go to heaven and some people to go to hell. He simply looks down through the ages on those and how they reacted under their, with the ability to choose, and I'll make it clearer as I go. And he said, okay, this group over here chose me, and I elect them as my children. That's one of the big reasons why I do not believe it's possible theologically to lose your salvation. Not possible. Because God in his foreknowledge knew us from beginning to end. That doesn't mean he decided who would be saved. No, no, no. That's Calvinism, and that goes too far. The definition of the word heretic means you go too far. You take something, and you go too far with it. That's what the Calvinists have done. By the way, the Institutes, Calvin's Institutes was written. He's 23 years old. He was a young man, had very little experience, really, biblically yet. But so many people have gone to that. They, they, they like the fact that they feel everything's like, well, everything really is set, but your decision-making is still important. 
and we still do have a free choice, we still can choose Jesus. The foreknowledge of God was not a deciding foreknowledge, it was a simply observing foreknowledge. And once he observed the decision, then he made the election. I hope you get that. I'm going to go a little further in that. God calls everybody to salvation. I don't have time to prove it this morning, but first I'll give you a little bit. First Timothy 2, 3, and 4. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. All men means what? Because God is what? He's not trying to confuse us with the Bible. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, some of the last words to us. He said, whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Come, let him, that is a thirst come. An invitation. Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come unto him and sup with him and he with me. Some people say it's just for Christians, but I don't, that's too narrow. That's way too narrow. John 7.37 says, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, If any any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. All I can say is if this is not so, that whosoever will may come, then God's mocking us. Because if I'm not elected, I can't get saved. And if I I got elected not based upon my decision-making, but based upon his decision-making, then how can I be held responsible someday to him? And our righteousness of God, it would mock us. So first of all, God knows you. Secondly, God calls us. Look in verse 6. Man realizes his need. God brings it to him. Then said I, I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I'm a child. It happened to Isaiah when he got a glimpse of, of God. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, he says, Woe is me. For I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I I do not believe you can be saved unless you get a glimpse of the holiness of God and your wickedness. That's what happened to me. That's what happened to almost everybody I've ever talked to that got saved. Uh, You cannot be found unless you're lost. You cannot be rescued unless you're realize you're in danger. You cannot be healed unless you realize you're sick. You can't be redeemed unless you realize you're a slave. And so God is calling, even this morning, all men, and what's all men mean? All men, everywhere to repent. Acts chapter 17, verse 30, it was stated then, it's been true ever since then and before, at the times of this ignorance, God winked at. That is the times of the past uh, with, the, with the heathen he's talking to. You know, where was God? And he says, well, in the near past, he winked at it. He let it go. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. It means what it says and says what it means. But you can't repent unless you feel, if you feel like you're okay. You see, you'll, someday you're not going to be compared with your neighbor who surely is much worse than you. Or you're not going to be compared with your wife. Or you're not going to be compared to your husband. You're not going to be compared with uh, somebody else. You're going to be compared with God. How are you going to do when you stand before Jesus? 
Well, if it's based on works, you're going to fail miserably because you know <laughs> you're going to have you're going to have a book with small print this thick that could be held against you. Amen. I'm talking about every idle word that a man speaks, he'll give an account that day. How many idle words have you spoken? How about thoughts and intents of the heart? How many bad thoughts have you had or evil thoughts have you had that you've got to give an account of? And so we stand before God absolutely and totally condemned by our own, by our own voices, by our own activities, that we've been unrighteous, willfully so, wantonly so. And so we're guilty of being sinners, unable to save ourselves. That's actually good news. If you come to that realization that you cannot save yourself and you're a sinner, you're savable. I met a guy, uh, brother, uh, what's your name, chief? Uh, Mike, tomorrow and I met a guy yesterday that just wouldn't, he wouldn't cough it up. He just wouldn't cough it up. You know? You can't save yourself by any amount of good works. Yeah, but I, yeah, but I, yeah, but I, yeah, but I. I hear it all the time. I've done some. And, and, and when you're trying to intimate to them, and when they get the idea that you're intimating to them that, they're, that they are actually wicked, they get mad. They get indignant with you. Well, how dare you? You don't even know me. I said, I don't have to know you. Have you ever lied? Well, yeah. Well, you're a liar. Have you ever stolen anything? Paperclip from the work, from office. One yours. Well, you're a thief. I mean, you may not be a grand theft. It may not be a federal crime, what you've done, but you've done bad things, and so have I. How ludicrous it is to argue that you are righteous, righteous enough to be able to go to heaven when the standard of heaven is perfection, sinlessness. Who can stand up and say, I'm sinless, and I deserve to go to heaven? Nobody. But that makes you savable. Because unless you're lost, you cannot be found. Unless you realize you're unable to save yourself, Jesus can't help you. But when I realize I'm unable to save myself, I can go to Jesus, man. Uh, I like this little statement. I said it over and over. Nothing in my hands I bring, only to the cross I cling, brother. I come to Jesus with nothing, no righteousness of my own. And I say, Lord Jesus, I'm a wicked, vile sinner. I like to use the words of the Bible. And he goes, oh, I died for you. I shed my blood for you. My righteousness will be given to you, and your sin will be given to me. Ooh, what an exchange. Third thing we notice in, his, in, the, in I, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 7, is that God enables us. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I'm a child, for thou shalt go to all that I send thee, and whosoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. I'm tired of Christians who have all the power of heaven behind them wimping out on God. You can do what God asks you to do. Jeremiah said, I can't do it. Oh, he said, you can do it, because I'm going to enable you. I'm going to give you the power. I can't teach Sunday school preacher. Yes, you can if God asks you to do it. I can't go door-to-door preacher. You can if God wants you to do it. I can't do a bus ministry preacher. You can if God wants you to do it. What you're saying is God's not big enough, not powerful enough. Look around at what he's made. He's powerful enough. 
I mean, look, look at just one, vol one volcano, the power behind one volcano in the world. It's unbelievable. One hurricane, force five. He's powerful enough. And he that made all those things can help you live and move and have your being and do the right thing. The fourth thing I see here is in verse 8. God gives these promises to us after he enables us. In Jeremiah 1.8, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. I can make it by the grace of God based on his promises. I like Isaiah 59.1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, and it cannot save. I quote that to him regularly. I say, Now, Lord, your hand's not shortened, and it cannot save. You're powerful enough to do it. Do what you need to do. I like Isaiah 26, uh, 3, where it says, Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon him, because he trusteth in him. I believe that I can have peace in the midst of absolutely no peace. This is a crazy world we're looking at, but I got peace. Why? I believe in a God of peace. And he enables me with his power. How do I know he's got the power? Look around at the invisible things. Look around at the creation he's made. He's got the power. Isaiah 40, verse 33, 31, I love, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run, not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I quote that to a lot of people that are struggling physically. On and on it goes. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. I am with thee always. I will be with thee. By the way, wherever there's fear, there's no faith. God says, look, I can help you. I'm going to be with you. You can hang your fear on my promises. Fear, listen, having fear is no sin. Giving in to fear is a sin. Fear and faith never can dwell in the same body. You got to have, now having fear, we all got fear. You're, you're getting ready to have a baby. You got to be having a little bit of, a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of fear at what's going to happen to you. It's like, it's, it's like this creature is going to come out of you. And the creature is way too big. And it would bother me. Thank God I'm a man. Thank God. Hallelujah. You don't have to have babies. We men got it easy. And every man said, you know it's so. You know it's so. We make them, they have them. It's beautiful. But uh, I mean, you got to have a little misgiving. You got to have a little fear. I've been to a number of surgeries. Every time I go to surgery, I am not a happy man. I would fear that monster of fear comes along with me and wants to whisper in my ear, oh, you'll never make it out of this. You're going to, dying don't bother me, but here's what he tells me. No, you're going to have a stroke and be paralyzed half. You'll be slobbering out of your mouth. Your, your, your wife's going to buy a basset hound to clean you up. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what goes through my mind. My wife likes basset hounds, and I've never let her have one. Pray that I die quickly because she'll get a basket out and say, hey, clean him up. I hope you guys come and rescue me out of that. But don't have fear. So let's review. Number one, God calls you. He knows you. He knows you. God knows you. He calls you. He helps you to realize your need. He enables you once you realize your need and you come to him. He enables you with power. He'll help you. He promises success in the end. It may not look good in the moment, but in the end, you're going to be successful. You are, a, you are going to win. 
I've seen some boxing matches that a guy was losing, 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 and all of a sudden he threw a wild overhand right and knocked the guy out. I couldn't believe it. It was like the ninth, tenth round. The guy had been getting beat up for nine rounds. And he just kept in there. He didn't give up. He didn't quit. State came out. Didn't throw the white towel in. Came out. And he just, he just, he just, he shut his eyes and threw a overhand right and caught the guy. Boom. Down the guy goes. One, two, three, ten. You're out. He goes, I won? That's the way some of us are going to go to heaven. We're going, I won? You won. And God, God promises us. God, and then, and then uh, fifthly, God personalizes our message. I got five minutes to do this. I can do this. God personalizes our message. Verse 9. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Why did you get cancer? Because God was personalizing your message. Why did you have a financial setback? It's possible that God was personalizing your message. Why did you have hardships in your life? And many of you have really hardships, serious things you go to every day, trials, tragedies in some ways, infirmities. Why? Why? God was putting forth his hand and touching your lips with a special message that only you have. I've heard of girls being abused by grandpas and by, you know, who knows what. And I always tell them when they come to me with it, I'll say, God was personalizing your message. He's, he's touching your lips. So now you can help some other girls that have gone through that same thing. Girl got raped. You can help somebody that's gone through that. There's nothing bad can happen to you or me that God cannot personalize and help us to be a testimony and enable us with power. I, I like the old John MacArthur out there where he said, if I go to jail, I've never been in, I've never had a jail ministry, but he said, I'm 82 years old. Maybe I'll have a jail ministry the last few years of my life. He said, oh, I bet he'd stir him up in jail. He said, when the Apostle Paul came into town, he never checked the motels out. He checked the jail out. How's the jail? Because I'm going to be there pretty soon. It's true. That's a guy who's walked with God. That's a guy who's trusting God even through the trouble. And lastly, God reproduces himself through us. Verse 10, see, I have set this day, set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms. And then he mentions all these different things. He's got some of us tearing down, some of us rooting up. And there's no doubt when we go out there and give the message of Christ to some people, it tears them down. They refuse the message. They harden their heart against the message. And to them, it's, it's a, a destruction. But the others react. They're built up and they're planted and they're established because they say yes to Jesus and their sins have been forgiven and their name's in the book of life and God's preparing a mansion for them. So to them, they grow and build by the same, same message. Same message here, same message here. Different reaction. The unsaved, they, they turn it, they look like, like mythology, and they lose. They're destroyed ultimately. Those who believe by simple childlike faith and walk when there's no sight. Listen, if God gave you too much sight, you wouldn't need faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him. 
So he can't give you too much sight. He's not going to give you too much sight. He's going to make you walk like everybody before us has walked, by faith. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trust in him, Nahum 1.7. He knows them that trust in him. God wants you to trust him. My son, when I raised him up, is he here today? Yeah, he's here. Thank you for coming to church. Uh, when, when, when he, he had to trust me a whole bunch. And he's alive today in many ways because he trusted me. I mean alive. When we dove, we gave him certain rules, and we told him, you do this, you can't do this, don't go down, hold your breath. When you begin to come up, let your breath out. Because if you don't let your breath out as you come up, it'll blow your lungs out. Because the air will expand and let your lungs in. All you'll begin to, you'll bleed out from the lungs. That was, he, he didn't know if that was true or not. He didn't even ask me if that was true. He just did it. But had he not done it, it would have killed him. And that's the way God is. God's telling you the good things to do to save your life. And you're going, well, I don't know. Do I believe that or don't believe it? Believe it. Trust him. Trust him. So let me give you the six points of this sermon. Number one, God knows and calls these people, and he calls all people. Man must realize his desperate need before God. Thirdly, God then enables them as they trust him in faith. Then God adds his personal promises with your faith. Then God personalizes our message through troubles and trials and variations between us. Then God authorizes us to reproduce as he sees fit. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. It's to God's choosing. But every one of you needs to reproduce. We need to reproduce. Don't you give up witnessing. Don't you give up telling people there's a Savior. Don't you give up telling people that Jesus died for them. I haven't seen any results, preacher. You don't have to see any results. You just do it in faith. It's God that gives the increase. I'm the messenger. He's the message. I just keep telling the message, and the message will produce fruit. And that fruit will remain. Why? Because God said, I'll cause it to remain. May God help us to see it. Father, help us this morning. May your Holy Spirit come. May your grace be upon us. May we, may we contemplate. There could be some in this room that have been deceived by this the lie of evolution, which tries to destroy the very foundation of who you are. And God, help them to, to do more study, to look more, to more, more closely further. There's good, good, good scientific information refuting evolution. It shows that there has to be an intelligent creator, and he, his name is Jesus, who made everything. Father, there would be somebody in this room without Jesus Christ, their personal Savior. Oh, why? And why not today? Why not saying yes to him today? We're here for you. We're going to sing a couple verses just as I am. We'd love you to come. If you're a lady, uh, another lady will go in the room, in the back, one-to-one, -one, just discuss what you have in your heart. Maybe after church, we're here and around. During the week, 
Call the office. We'll be glad to take a time to be able to talk to you. We're here for you. Father, help us. Help us all to go towards the light. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.